We are joined once again with Tom Luongo, who is the publisher of Gold, Goats and Guns, a subscription newsletter on geopolitics and markets. We'll be talking about the apparent deep state coup that has taken place against President Trump. It seems to me that Trump meant well in the beginning. He wanted out of Syria, stopped the TPP and so forth. However, now he's done an about face, 180 degrees. He's going into Syria, uh, talk about resurrecting the TPP from the dead. Obama, in some regards, perhaps meant well, such as his desire to end Guantanamo and pull out of Iraq. But I'm guessing that this deep state effectively neuters every single president, unless this is a president like John F. Kennedy, who is willing to risk his life in order to actually do his job. Vladimir Putin made a comment to French media recently that in Washington, once you are elected, men in dark suits come and tell you what to do. This could very well explain the flip-flopping of President Trump. If this is the case, I doubt Trump has the same profile and courage which led Kennedy to go against the grain. And the Syria strike seemed to be the straw that broke the camel's back. They seem to send a message to the Russians that Washington is crazy enough to start World War III, and the message to us that, as you say, Tom, Trump has become a prisoner and is not willing to go. John F. Kennedy, at least not yet. What game do you think was being played in Syria, and is Trump finished? Um, thank you again for having me on here, boy. I really appreciate it. The, uh, I think that the game is not quite over. Uh, I think that I think Sergei Lavrov, the, the great Russian foreign minister, uh, came out earlier, was it yesterday, or this, we're, we're recording this on Saturday, so I think on either Thursday or Friday, um, 419 or 420, said that uh, he's 100% certain that neither the U.S. nor the Russian military wants to start World Three, and that he believes the, feels the same way about President Trump and President Putin. That is to say, of course, that's a very specific statement. <laughs> um, and that the, and as you talked about in your intro, the, the deep state, I think, does not want that to end, uh, does not want that eventuality. I'm very skeptical about, for example, what's taking place with North Korea for the same reasons. Um, and I, I, the, I don't know that Trump is done per se. I just, I, 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 I do and I don't, you know, it's like, I don't think he has the strength of character to do what Kennedy did. Um, but at the same time, I do think he's going to continue to fight for as long and, and in his way for as long as possible. In a sense, hoping that the uh, the patriot wing, the patriots that are embedded still within most of the alphabet agencies that make up the deep state, uh, will continue to help support him. Because I really think when I stop to really think about what Trump has done over the last year and a half, I took off my rose-colored glasses because I voted for him with all the good intentions. That it seems to me his best uh, his best wins have come from things being dropped in his lap by you know that he being just kind of the change agent that allowed every that allowed other people to step forward with information that would have never seen the light of day had Hillary Clinton won, and uh, and that so that the deep state has lost some a measure of control and that things are in chaos and flux, but. That Trump, Trump's own personal defects, his own personal personality defects, don't allow him to ultimately uh, give up his life and his family for this. Uh, I just don't see that happening. Um, but he then again may just be willing to try and outlast them because I do feel that he's still fighting within the White House as best he can. Um, but it's not enough.
the serial strikes, just look at that case, case study. Uh, what do you think really went uh, down there? Were they for real? Uh, and then the Russians, you know, they say that they demonstrated their superior capabilities and knocked down most of the missiles, and then Ru Russia won that round. Or what was it some are saying? I think you wrote that these were a serious strike, or meant to be a serious strike by the U.S., but some people, as you say, some good characters within the intelligence military complex uh, scaled down the attack and managed to pull us back from the brink, or that it was just a show from the beginning uh, meant as a shot across the bows to Russia um, to appease the neocons and intentionally strike useless targets to kind of send a message to, to Russia. Um, and I think it's a message also saying that you know, we're in Syria now and we're not going to back down. And, you know, what's your move now? What's your take on Syria? I think that all of the things that you, you highlighted there are partially true. I think that all of those incentives and all of those, um, uh, all of those are factors. And what strikes, what was actually put forth um, and agreed to, put forth by Mattis, uh, it's Mattis, and agreed to by Trump. I think that. Um, they intended to cripple the Syrian Air Force. I read something this morning uh, that made me made that supports that idea that there are that the, the war in Syria is far from over, and that the main impediment to a reinvasion of Syria by various jihadist forces that have been uh, that have been regrouping in in Idlib and in Jordan and other places. Uh, and the south in Derazor, south of Derazor on the Iraqi, near the Iraqi border, that you know, if you take out the Syrian Air Force, then you could restart the war and prolong it. Now, I think that I say that at the same time, you have to wonder because they because we attacked all the major airport bases with the intention of wiping out part of the Syrian Air Force. How much of it we were looking now that's where that it can get a little gray right that's where mattis who's a very strong strategic thinker and probably one of the best strategic thinkers that the united states has had in over 100 years um did he order missiles to be fired at these air bases that were easily shot down or were or was this a serious strike now that's a good question and i can't answer that i'm going to default to the more aggressive position because that's been the u.s's mo for the last 35 years, it's been stated policy that Syria is to be destroyed on behalf of uh, deep state interest, Israel, and, and everybody else. So that should be your default position until proven otherwise is the way I got it. Um, and then because of that, uh, everybody's hopping mad at this point. No one went, no one won by this uh, with this strike. Trump was weakened. Um, Israel was weakened. That's why they struck out and tried to attack again to try to tackle all the Syrian air bases just after the Americans struck. Remember last weekend, there were multiple reports of the Israelis violating Syrian airspace to attack the, the airports and, and uh, didn't work. And I think that, uh, you know, this, this project to destroy Syria has been U.S. policy for over a generation. So it's not going to be um, it's not going to be derailed by one man saying, look, this is stupid. He's right. Trump's right. But it's not going to be derailed by him. There's just the, the forces in play are just too big. Uh, there's too much money at stake. There's too many. There's just, there's too much. 
you know, at stake. And, and the uh, and what's the other thing to remember about Syria? I know this because I was discussing this with someone earlier this week. Um, it's the original intention for Syria for going into Syria is not what's on the table anymore. The, the the intentions have now moved. The the goals of Syria have moved. Originally, it was all about oil pipelines and gas pipelines. That's how they got the coalition to get to destroy Syria, right? But you know that coalition is for the most part falling apart. Turkey's jumped ship. Qatar's jumped. Ship, the the Saudis are you know kind of, <laughs> you know they 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 the Saudis you know talk a big game, but they've got nothing. Um, it's all it's down to the Israelis and the Americans at this point, and uh, and the Brits and. I don't think that there uh, that, that there's the uh, the desire on everybody's part except for the Israelis to continue this operation and the U.S. deep state and the British deep state, but the American people and the British people don't want this. You know, I remember it was the British Parliament that voted against supporting Obama, uh, Obama in 2013 to stop you know the the and that's what broke that whole uh, that's what broke down Obama's red lines, right? And I find it interesting that Trump is now turning around to using the same red lines to say, Obama was weak and we should have done this. It's like, stop grandstanding, Donald. This is, you know this is not what you want to do. So either John Bolton wrote those tweets or um, – and I'm, and I'm not unconvinced of that either because at some point it looked to me like Trump wasn't even in charge of his own Twitter feed. You know, because it just didn't make any sense. I, I had that question. It's funny you mentioned that because uh, about Trump's tweets – they seem to be getting increasingly r- ridiculous, and mm. you know, could it be in some Orwellian fashion that he's n- not even in control of them anymore? Oh, I don't. I think that for a while he wasn't. I don't think he was. I don't think the weekend of the strikes that he was in, that he was, um, or the weekend before the strikes, he was not in charge of his own Twitter feed. When he came out, I mean, Joanne Leone and I were talking about this, who runs a another podcast, and, and she's the one who noticed that he was using language that he doesn't normally use, and it just, and it just didn't seem right to me. And then he tried to walk it back, and the Nikki Haley's in the UN saying one thing, and he's saying another. And I, I this, that Washington Post article from a week ago Monday, which I have referenced in one of the articles, um, uh, the the article about uh, Mattis winning. The, the the fight within the White House. That article was absolutely the most um, important thing I've read in quite a while because it painted an it painted a picture of what's actually going on in the White House, and I believe it because it it's what the Washington Post wants, which is that the staffers are in control and they're telling Trump this is how the world works. We are the experts and give you options. You get to choose between column A and column B. Trump can go, well, I don't like column A or column B. Can we have column C? And you can, and then they give him back something that's 5% worse or better than column A or column B. But at the end of the day, you don't get to decide what policy is going to be. You get, we tell you what policy is and you get to choose. And it really looked to me, because the Washington Post is a wholly owned subsidiary of the CIA. Let's not, let's not mince words here. And so because of that, it's, it was very telling that they're, sell, that they're telling victory – that they're writing victory lap stories over having bound down and controlled Trump. And I think that that's exactly what's happening. And that's why we see these, these, these really confusing things coming out of the White House where one hand doesn't know what the other one's doing. And I think that um, it's because Trump keeps trying to fight his advisors who think they've already won. And now Nikki Haley, for example, over the weekend, Nikki Haley trying to push the ball forward to trap him into, into doing – into having to, you know, put more sanctions on Russia the same way that, you know, they trapped him with bad tweets, which made him look more belligerent than he wanted it to be. And, you know, it's just, when you, if you start looking at Trump from that perspective, you start realizing that 
you know, his narcissism is his downfall here, and they're using it against him. And he's got to just, you know, he's either got to stand up and say enough of this and start firing people, or you know, or just start, you know, or wait out, or wait out his opposition, you know, and his opposition that's that's driving all this. Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama, and the rest of them are all going to be indicted soon. And I think that maybe is that's that's like the only plan he's got at this point. But foreign policy is completely um, compromised because, as Putin said, you know, I mean, the president's changed, but he doesn't. Another question I had that's kind of putting it all together. Uh, you've got what you've been discussing, uh, Syria, and then this this deep state madness with the staffers in Washington, and then you've got the economic front. What's going on at the same time? Um, the the indicators and serious analysts seem to be telling us that we are rapidly approaching the end of the road and some type of economic crash or collapse is soon upon it. And on, and, and, and on top of that, the DNC of all entities has filed a lawsuit against Trump and Russia. And this is really becoming a house of cards that seems to be going down in flames. Um, and Trump seems like a perfect fall guy, doesn't he? I mean, I don't think he'll be uh, impeached, but I mean, things just seem to be getting unhinged. It, 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 I, it is. It, 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 things are becoming unhinged. And, you know, a snake is never more dangerous than when it's cornered. And I fundamentally believe that the neocons were cornered, which is why the deep state neocons, there's various factions of it, you know, the globalist deep, it's, they're all, it's all kind of the same group of people, they who think they run the world. There's the British deep state, there's the Israeli deep state, there's the American deep state, there's the shadow government, there's all this shit. But at the end of the day, it's all, they're all looking at the situation going, look, we've been in charge of driving the world towards this particular conclusion since the end of World War II, and that's about to collapse. And so, because, you know, the, the curtain's been pulled back, People have been red-pilled, and don't they don't buy any of this stuff anymore. We don't want to live in this world anymore. That's what Trump's election represented. It's what Brexit represented. It's what Catalonia represents. It's what Victor Orban in Hungary represents. It's what Sebastian Kurz in Austria represents. I mean, the Austrians, for Christ's sake, you know, are, are voting for national poverty and after throw, overthrowing the Social Democrats after 65 years. It's enough, and, and, but they will not be deterred. Until the whole thing, you know, until either until they either win or collapses, and they're and honestly, the only choice that makes any sense to me is they're putting. They tried to put the 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 choice in front of all of us to say, look, you can you can have you can have what we are we're offering, or you're going to be nuked because we're going to provoke Russia to the point where they're going to have to start lobbying nukes, and then we're going to you know claim to be victims, and then we're going to lob nukes back. And this is where I think someone like James Mattis is the only real bright spot in what's in all of this madness, because Mattis knows that this is insane. Putin made it abundantly clear that he has the weapons to about the United States, and there's nothing we can do about it. And the neocons have been selling to the world for 30 years now, or 20, at least 20 years now, that we can fight a war with Russia and win. I mean, are you crazy? You, you know, is, is, this, is, is it really that important? To start World War Three like this and destroy the world so that you can you can extract oil and gas out of the Golan Heights. I mean, is that what this is about? Is this how venal we've become? And I, and you know, and the more this kind of information makes it out there into the world, the more 
obvious it is that this is just not going to work. And then, and to your your other point, which is that we have reached debt saturation as an Austrian um, economist, right? I'm a libertarian Austrian economist and and political analyst, and I, I look at things. I just say, look, we're reaching the end of the the end of the ability to issue debt uh, at zero bound interest rates and surf and uh, and service that debt. Um, you know, we're at a point now where the debt's you know got to be repaid by our grandchildren. You know, what are we going to do? We're going to lob on another $20 trillion of debt and put our great-grandchildren in the debt? It, it, at some point, the markets just say, look, that's enough. Don't believe you'll ever pay this back. And then the whole thing collapses in various forms. It'll take, you know, there's, there's a number of different ways it'll happen. But eventually, but the net effect is that it's going to collapse. It may start with the sovereign debt crisis in Europe, which translates to Japan, which goes to the United States, whatever. But, you know, the details are what's important, what's big picture is that, yeah, the whole thing is, 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 is a, just a... As fragile as it can be, and I think even Russia said recently, I think it was Putin said, "Are you that? Is the United States that fragile that you can't have you know, one small country stop using the dollar? Is that really where we are? Well, then, okay, that country's going to not use the dollar anymore. Live with it." <laughs> and, and I guess, uh, I guess, finally, from my final question, final point, and the cherry on top of all of this. <laughs> Uh, we briefly mentioned North Korea. It was just announced that South and North Korea want to official, officially end the, uh, the war. Uh, Mike Pompeo recently visited with Kim Jong-un, according to the Washington Post, who says he's agreed to shut down, I think, one nuclear testing site and cease ICBM missile tests. Do we have something here, or will the Pentagon manage to sa sabotage this as well, or is it a show? What's your take real quick? Um, my real, my take real quick is the following. I think that uh, the reports of uh, Kim's latest rounds of testing and his underground facilities, which caused a collapse, are real. And he doesn't have any more testing to do because he has a weapon. Um, he doesn't have an underground facility that he can use anymore. So he's agreeing to something that he already that he's already you know that the reality has made you know moot. I think that's one. Um, I think that. He's probably willing, he's probably correct Parsons' words and saying, or he's sincere in his words and saying, the United States does not have to completely leave the Korean Peninsula in order for there to be denuclearization of North Korea. What that means is, what I, think, what I, I you and I haven't talked about this, but I've said it in other places, that the, the, the compromise would be to remove the, um, the, the Americans from the DMZ and we, lay, we maintain, say, one small air base on the southern tip of the the peninsula, and that's the compromise. But we get a, an official end to the Korean War, which would be a great thing, because everybody wants North Korea opened up, and everybody wants the Americans off, you know, off if for all intents and purposes off the peninsula. Uh, it would allow the Russians to bring a gas pipeline through uh, through North Korea to South Korea, which the South Koreans want desperately. Um, it would make everybody happier. It would integrate the entire region and it would back off uh, the Americans from you know, their continued encirclement doctrine uh, of Russia and China. And I don't know, I don't know if the, the, the deep state's going to um, kill this deal or not. We'll see. Trump wants the win here. And I think, I think his, I think people like Xi and Putin would like to see him get this win because it would help them to then broker other deals later because it would give him more even more popular support 
to fight the deep state. He needs those wins if he's going to survive this. Um, so we'll see. I don't know that um, he, but again, it's still in flux though, but right now I don't really think he's in charge. He could regain control at some point, but it's going to be with the help of his, of his allies, both within the government and uh, with his supposed enemies at this point. All right. We'll, we'll leave that there. And Tom, can you remind us once again where uh, we can find your work and what Gold, Goats, and Guns is all about? Sure. Uh, you can find my work at goldgoatsandguns.com or tomluongo.me. Um, my uh, Gold, Goats, and Guns is an investment uh, newsletter and ethos built around the idea of building kind of uh, uh, generational wealth through uh, to avoid the worst of crisis investing. I am mostly focused on commodities, gold, and cryptocurrencies in my analysis. I'm not really a general market analyst in that respect. I also, but I also look at things geopolitically uh, in terms of currency arbitrage and, and those things as well because you have to. Um, so it's a portfolio strategy designed to kind of de-stress a, a stressful period of history. All right. You know, if I had more time to do more than a podcast, I'd be writing stuff like like you, Tom. So if people want to read more analysis, head on over there. Uh, you're reposted frequently all over the place, including Zero Hedge. And we hope you become a regular guest, pop in every once in a while here on the Geopolitics and Empire podcast. I'd be happy to report you. Thank you very much for the invitation, as always. If you've been listening to Geopolitics and Empire and enjoy the work that we do, I'd like to let you know of how you can help us continue. We have a free weekly newsletter called the Geopolitical Intelligencer, which you can subscribe to via the website. We send you the weekly podcast and the collection of the most important headlines in geopolitics, the Colder War, the New Silk Road, and so forth. Also, please write us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, CastBox, or whatever platform you listen to us on. Subscribe to our YouTube, Vimeo, and DTube channels. Subscribe to our social media at Twitter, Facebook, VK, Steemit, Minds, and Gab. Finally, if you really want to help us expand, you can donate one time or on a regular basis via PayPal, Patreon, Bitcoin, or Maker Support. All the links are available at geopoliticsandempire.com.